what drew me to vicinity is that there are something like, I don't know, 80 plus companies that have now received permission from the SEC and FINRA to run portals. Almost all of them are marketing themselves as focused on national deals. Um, they're not aligning themselves with a place. And I think that is probably going to be a failure for most of these businesses as a model. Welcome to the Invest Local podcast, where we uncover the brilliance of local businesses that are slugging it out, serving their customers and giving back to their own communities. Check us out at vicinitycapital.com and give us a follow on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we are not making any investment recommendations, nor are we providing any sort of investment advice. Now on with the show. Welcome, folks, to the Invest Local podcast. We're back with Michael Schumann this week for part two of our conversation about local economics and local investing. Hope you enjoy. I want to step back really quick to your writings and kind of your research was really part of the, the formation um, of the idea of vicinity. I'd love to take a step back there and hear from Josh and John on that, you know, how those early writings that you put out and your research kind of influenced the idea of vicinity in the first place. Sure. Thanks, Malcolm. I can make a couple of comments and then Josh can uh, add some, some color. But really, it was around this idea, you know, that if you look at the crowdfunding world, the crowd investing world, let's call it, after the Title III of the Jobs Act in 2016, a lot of the energy... Um, was focused around startups and specifically kind of the Silicon Valley culture, startups, West Coast, some in the Northeast. And that wasn't our path into this um, by any stretch. Josh and I have just a more of a, a workhorse, um, I call it a workhorse business background versus a unicorn uh, startup world and appreciate the what local businesses lend to the communities in a number of ways. And so we really saw the opportunity and you might say leveraging uh, relational uh, currency and trust within communities to fund businesses and ventures within those communities, allowing them to participate because they haven't had, like Michael said earlier, they, they were locked out of that for 80 years or however many years it was since 1934. That was our focus. And so what was really helpful coming across, you know, um, local dollars and local cents was a big one. Local economy solution, I think, was 2015-ish, maybe. Some of those writings, as well as you know, some others, were very helpful to us because that was the focal point. It wasn't just you know startups, flying car companies um, in Silicon Valley. It was really how can this add to the health and vibrance of local communities and further leverage and deepen the trust within these communities where it, it might have been strained, you might call it, over the past few decades. So that was our road in. And there weren't a lot of people uh, talking about that, at least not from these angles. So we found Michael's work extremely helpful and beneficial because you had a good eye into the funding portal world because of the reasons you stated earlier. And so that also you were able to have that local economy multiplier effect conversation over here, but you also knew your way around this funding portal world and uh, how it has evolved over the past few years. I should add that what drew me to vicinity is that there are something like, I don't know, 80 plus companies that have now received permission from the SEC and FINRA to run portals. Almost all of them 
are marketing themselves as focused on national deals. Um, they're not aligning themselves with a place. Now, effectively, some of them do align themselves with a place because they started in one place and they only know one place, but they're still thinking that they're going to be these national dominating entities. And I think that is probably going to be a failure for most of these businesses as a model. What I like about vicinity is having said, look, we're going to focus on a few states in the South and really build up expertise and relationships on the ground. I think that's really what's going to enable crowdfunding to succeed. Um, so it's taking all of the best ideas about local economy building, that it is rooted in relationships and it is rooted in slow and steady growth of businesses that are, you know, really part of the DNA of the community. And that's, that's what we should be building a crowdfunding business around. I think it's the right choice. I hope other portals move in that direction, but I'm not optimistic that they will. <laughs> We live in a unicorn world where, you know, the name of the game is to go national, if not global, and get as many eyes and, you know, shoot to the moon, make lots of money in the meantime, and maybe be a good spectacle for uh, everybody to watch. At least raise that, lots of money. Most yeah, of them don't exactly. make lots of money, but there's a, there's, a, there's a big focus on raising lots of money for, for years right. and then, uh, you know, kind of profit be damned. But I think the part that is really interesting to me, is, it's similar to what I think you were just talking about, Michael, where you have the benefit of technology, right? That's what we like to talk about. The technology that we deploy here to be compliant and to be able to facilitate these types of offerings, it's an enabler for sure. And it's very important, but we're not a technology company. We're not saying, hey, because we have this, we've built it, now come. That, that's not really how we expect that it's gonna work. It is more based on the fact that we can, we can go, we can listen, um, we can understand what the community's specific needs are and hopefully be able to be um, be a component of what they're already doing, what they're trying to do. And then we can bring a tool and a process to that. Uh, it's not going to be the headlines. It's not going to be the Walmart distribution center. And it's not going to be the, um, you know, Apple moves to, to the triangle. But this is going to be incredibly impactful to those that are within uh, within those communities and not just vicinity. I, I agree with you. I think there could be uh, this could be a model that lots of uh, lots of communities can deploy using this this legislation and the continued advancements that are there. So we're, we're bullish on that as well, uh, certainly the way that we're trying to go about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I encourage whoever is listening to this uh, podcast to really think about inside your community, what are the businesses that you know you need to round out your economy? Or what are the projects, the downtown development projects that you need? Or is there a way you could get your church or your favorite nonprofit to actually buy its property uh, so that it reduces its rent bill and can spend more of its annual income on program? Or is there a local fund that we could put money into? I mean, the, all of these things are possible and investment crowdfunding should be seen as this new tool that enables all of us to take charge of what our community looks like, that we don't have to depend on outside forces for our future. We can take control of it. Yeah, yeah. no, and I love the last one that you, you wrote, um, put your money where your life is. 
how you talk about these kind of local programs and local investments and putting dollars into your local economy doesn't have to come at the expense of your personal wealth. It's not one or the other. And I think that's, that's where I think it's tough for the retail investor, or the first-time investor thinking about this. is It's kind of like, all right, well, I love shopping local and eat local, and sure, I'll pay 75 cents more for my coffee because it's, it's you know, helping create local jobs. But when it comes to placing a few thousand dollars of my income into an investment, that's a different ask. Can you talk a little bit about that, um, how you kind of unpack that, both in, in your research and in that book, that you know, personal wealth and local investing don't have to be at odds? Right. So I think that most of the American public falls into one of three categories. Uh, one category is you're in the lowest third of people of income and wealth in the country, and your life is largely about debt and getting out of debt. It may be credit card debt, it may be house debt, it may be alimony debt, whatever. Um, and figuring out how you get yourself out of debt in a hurry is really important. Um, one of the things that I learned when I was in a very severe debt situation is I did personal crowdfunding around it. And I basically, rather than paying 20% plus to credit card companies, um, I worked with local friends and family and had them basically buy up parts of my debt, buy, well, enable me to, to get out of credit card debt. And then I paid them back at 5% over um, five years, and I'm done with all of that now. Uh, but I reckon that that personal act of crowdfunding enabled me to save close to $100,000 in interest payments. The second category that people may find themselves in is sort of in the middle of the country, middle, middle of income, middle of wealth. And that's where most of your wealth by the time you retire and grow old is going to be in your house and getting your house decision right is really important and that's where you know investing in your own real estate and figuring out how you're going to make the most out of your house um, and you know moving yourself from a renter to an owner is an important act of local investment uh, especially if you do that with a local bank or credit union. Paying down your mortgage faster is an incredible act of local investment. And then there's the remaining third of us who have some retirement savings beyond our house. And these are the people that I think crowdfunding per se is going to be most important for. And I think that they are, you know, they have almost all of their savings in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, pension funds, insurance funds. They haven't a clue, A, that it is even possible to put that money in local businesses or projects, or B, that if they do, they actually can get a reasonable rate of return and also see the social rate of return of their community getting better. So I think once people kind of wake up and see that, we're, we're going to have millions of people involved in crowdfunding. Yeah. Well, and that gets to some stats I think you cite 
Michael, I think our own calculations here, let's say in the upstate of South Carolina, there's $60 billion or so that's locked up in retirement plans, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, kind of the, the standard vehicles where that money goes outside of the state. And so if we were able to redirect just a portion of that, and again, with these types of investments, it's one thing if, you know, venture capital, you know, startup related deals, that's that's incredibly high risk. It's all risky. Um, but it seems like there would be a way to redirect some of those huge, huge volumes of money that are going outside um, of our, our communities back to them through this this vehicle. Can you speak some to the, the multiplier effect that these communities could benefit from just from redirecting and also maybe some of the, like Malcolm was talking about in your latest book, self-directed IRAs, solo 401ks are also, again, vehicles you can use to, to make those decisions um, as well. Yeah, so first on the multiplier effect, there have been several dozen studies done in the last 20 years or so comparing similar businesses or similar industries, one locally owned, one not. And what they show is that consistently, every dollar that goes into the locally owned business or industry generates two to four times the jobs, the income and wealth effects, the tax, uh, the tax base. Um, and it's for a very simple reason, that local businesses have local relationships. They have local management, they do local advertising, they use local professional services. And so they contribute to this multiplier effect of the community. The second part of your question is about the vehicles uh, that one can use in order to begin to localize your pension funds. Now, I mean, those of you listening who have 401ks or you have an IRA, but say it's rooted in a place like TD Ameritrade or something, you're not going to see any form of local investment options. And in fact, there's probably 10,000 mutual funds in the United States and no more than 20 of those 10,000 that have an iota of local investment possibility in them. What you can do though, is you can create for yourself a self-directed IRA, which basically means you go to a trust company that's designated to do this, there's several hundred of them, uh, and you hire a custodian. And if you shop around, this could cost as little as uh, $250 a year you hire a custodian and you tell your custodian where you want your retirement money to go to. So you can move your money from an old IRA into the self-directed IRA and you're off to the races with local investing. The solo 401k is for self-employed people. And, but a self-employed person is not someone who's exclusively self-employed. You can have a day job and a one hour a week self-employment business. And with that one hour a week self-employment business, you can create a solo 401k. And for that one, you don't need to hire a custodian. You just need to rent a legal document. Um, and that's a legal document with the IRS. And with that legal document, you can then open an account in your own bank account. 
And here are like two interesting differences between a self-directed IRA and a solo 401k. The first is uh, with a self-directed IRA or with any IRA, you can only put in about 55 to $6,500 per year. So it's quite limited. With a solo 401k, you can put in, in some scenarios, uh, over 120,000 a year. So it's just much more robust. The second thing is with a self-directed IRA, you cannot take out a loan for yourself. With a solo 401k, you can. You can take out a loan as high as $50,000. And with that loan, you can use the money for anything. Uh, Paying out credit cards, putting a deposit down on a mortgage, putting lots of money into vicinity capital in your favorite business. So so there's just plenty of options that begin to open up to you. with these vehicles, but people, even though they've been around for decades, people know very little about them. So that's why I wrote, put your money where your life is so that people could could see that those rules, that these things exist, they work, they're legal, they're not that difficult to, to administer and they should use them. That's great. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And that kind of leads into my last question really, which is people that are listening that, that want to get involved, that want to act, you know, how can they do that? Obviously the, the solar 401k and the self-directed IRA is one method. I know that you do some workshops. So I'd love to hear you tell a little bit about what those are, you know, and other ways that you would say, if you're trying to get into local investing, you want to pour into your local economy, you know, how do they get started? What do they do? Yeah, so I think, look, here are a couple of very simple things that I think are helpful. So first of all, if you go to my website, Michael H. Schumann, S-H-U-M-A-N dot com, you'll find resources, a bunch of blogs that might be relevant. I also do these workshops to sort of give you in four weeks a lot of basic training around local investment, the law, and the practice of, of doing this. So that could be an interesting start. The second thing that I encourage you to do is find other people in your community with your interest and create a group. And a group doesn't need to have a complicated agenda. If you go to Port Townsend in Washington state, it's a tiny town with 10,000 people north of Seattle they created something called LION in 2007. LION stood for Local Investment Opportunity Network. And really what it was is a gathering, a potluck, uh, that where local businesses and local investors got together and hung out and talked and built relationships once a month. And just that one simple act in a 10,000 person town has meant a million dollars more of local investing. So get a little group together, hold a party once a month, and then start thinking about what are the businesses that are ready for crowdfunding and send them off to vicinity capital, and then start working together to move your money into self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks, and be able to start putting one, two, three percent of your life savings into these local businesses to build your community. I think those are very simple, practical steps and you'll feel great doing it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, no, and even what you said there at the end, just starting small, you know, just 1%, just 2%. Um, it's not like this has to be a, you know, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift a huge chunk of my net worth or a huge chunk of my paycheck into this, this new thing. You can kind of dip your toe in and doing it in community. Um, you're preaching to the choir there as well. So if folks want to get in touch, your website sounds like the best place to do that, Michael H. Schumann. Dot com. We'll link it in the show notes. With that, anything you'd like to leave the audience with, any closing remarks? This has definitely been super helpful from all angles. I, I would just say to folks listening, everything you do right now to localize your investment can have the most important stimulating effect on your economy imaginable. Yes, it's great that the federal government has put out some short-term money to help local businesses, but that's just a drop in the bucket. What really makes a difference is what we do. And if we commit to putting our resources in the projects and businesses we love in our community, they will flourish. Yeah. Michael, I too, I would say, since a lot of our, our listener base, you know, will be in the South here in a few states, any of those folks listening that would be interested, we'd love to put together a specific workshop uh, maybe of a group that is in this geography and tailor it a bit, but I think it'd be really helpful, but it would be nice to have a group of folks that, you know, are in and around the same geography. And so I would just plug that and say, you guys can reach out through the vicinity a website, feel free to reach out with uh, ideas or people or groups of people that you think might be interested in that. And then also, you know, as it can be local businesses or real estate, investments. Um, many times those go hand in hand as those opportunities arise and, and people out there listening come across those and where you think vicinity might be helpful in getting the community involved and investing within themselves. And we'd love to do that. In the meantime, I'll just echo your last charge there, Michael, and uh, also just appreciate your time today. Appreciate all the work that you've done uh, it's been formative for uh, for vicinity what we're what we're trying to pull off. So thanks again for spending time today. My pleasure. Great to talk. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Invest Local Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review and feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. And don't forget to tune in next week for more local stories. <laughs>